0: How about that win for the U.S. Women? Boy, what a game. Here's some scenes. Look behind the scenes last night. All the celebrations with that trophy, third U.S. Women's World Cup win, three goals for Carly Lloyd. She was just spectacular.
1: I have to say, I was watching while making dinner, and my little girl said, Mommy, they just scored again. And I said, Honey, that's an instant replay. There's (laughs) there's no way they just scored again. And then, sure enough, 2-0, and then soon 3-0, 4-0. Everyone was on Twitter last night, too, as well. Millions and millions of tweets about the game, from celebs to President Obama. There's a scene in the 1995 movie, The American President, when a man in a green blazer buttonholes the president and asks whether he's aware that down in Atlanta, women want parody for girls' softball, for field hockey, for volleyball. The president says the courts ruled on that law about 20 years before. Yes, sir, says the man in the green blazer, but now these women want that law enforced. Title IX, the law of the land since 1972, made no mention of sports. Its 37 words just say no educational institution or activity receiving any federal money can discriminate against or deny benefits to anyone on the basis of sex. Gender hadn't been part of the civil rights laws of the 1960s, and so a woman named Bernice Sandler, who'd felt that gender discrimination in her own career, worked with Congresswomen Patsy Mink and Edith Green and Senator Birch Bayh to leverage President Lyndon Johnson's executive order on gender and hiring into a federal law. Title IX's effect on virtually every aspect of campus life, college demographics, scholarships, and of course girls and women's sports, has been nothing short of stupendous. But the Trump administration could be ready to redo the Obama administration's interpretation of Title IX's sexual assault rules and cut back overall Title IX enforcement budgets at a time when the office has a backlog of complaints. So here's Bernice Sandler's assessment of her 45-year-old baby. How did you help to create Title IX? How did you get it into law?
0: Uh, Well, first we realized that that, uh, women did not have the same protections against job discrimination and education discrimination as uh, people of color and different national origin and race. Race was covered and and sex was not covered, so you can discriminate on the basis of of sex. Uh, When I went to apply for uh, uh, some financial aid in my graduate work, I was told, well, we don't give too many scholarships to women and then there was a pause and he said, especially to married women, which I was, and then there was another pause, and then he said, especially to married women with children, (laughs) kind of thing, and it seemed to me that that was really very unfair, (laughs) Uh, and that was how I got started. I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, at a time when Birmingham was the most segregated big city in America, so I very often think of Title IX, uh, as trying to do away with discrimination, but really being about giving opportunity.
1: It's a long way from that to getting President Nixon to sign it in June of 1972. How did you do that? Well,
0: Representative Edith Green, who represented Portland, Oregon, had been very active in getting the passage of Title VI um, which prohibited discrimination against african-americans uh... in federally assisted programs which meant an education and we didn't have quite the same legislation in place of discrimination against women in fact many people believed there was no discrimination against women the feeling was women didn't need to go to college because they were all going to get married and have children um, and therefore they didn't need a college education so we had better get preference to the men because they're going to be working and the women will be just sitting at home with their degree and that was not uncommon thinking at the time at all uh... representative green was the main person behind this she was very much aware that women did not have as much protection against uh... discrimination in education as african-americans did uh... she certainly did not want to lower the protections they had to make them equal but she wanted to expand the protections uh... for women what happened is in nineteen seventy two sex discrimination was hardly uh an issue, so no one was paying attention and it was and it got through because uh again, no one was really looking or what it, whatever there had been hearings held which legitimized the problems. I testified at those hearings and also put the rest of the hearings together, where we documented uh Sexual discrimination in educational programs and that that's what we essentially we were documenting the need for the passage of title nine I wouldn't have had a career without uh, title nine I think uh, first and foremost I wouldn't have been able to you know play soccer or any sport that I liked in high school.
1: Nowadays people think of Title IX if they think of it at all at all as affecting sports, but its reach on college campuses was so much wider, even down to things like
0: different curfews for men and women. People were surprised later to say, "What do you mean we can't do x?" Yeah, or "What do you mean we have to have athletic programs uh, that are substantially uh equal for for men and women, boys and girls. Does this mean we have to spend money on girls' athletics? We've never have done that before. And so a lot of people were surprised because they weren't watching, and they didn't realize the implications. A lot of things changed. In fact, many campuses set up uh, a committee to examine where Title IX did make a difference. For example, You could still have scholarships, you know, for my dear, in honor of my dear departed son or my dear departed daughter. You could still have single-sex scholarships, but if you had, um, say, uh, X number of dollars and X number of scholarships for men, uh, and you had much less for women, the school then had to provide extra scholarships to make make it equal or approximately equal. You couldn't have, like, $200,000 worth of scholarships for men and only $10,000 worth of scholarships for women. If you had 200000 for men, you had to have that for women as well. On many campuses in those days, um, women had to live in dormitories uh, in their first year at least, and men could live any way they wanted. The theory was that men didn't need supervision and that women needed to be protected uh, but it wasn't fair because it meant women had to be in at a certain hour and men could stay out in many places all night or not come home at all. So what Title IX did when it be just by being passed, uh, it reminded people and it helped people examine what was going on on their campus uh, and what needed to be changed. I mean, a campus can decide that everybody has to come be in at 10 o'clock or nobody has to be in at 10 o'clock, but you can't have women required at 10 and men. Maybe it can come in at 12, or nobody cared at all. And what it did is it forced institutions who were getting federal funds, which is just every institution in the country, with the exception of one or two that were religious and didn't take any federal funds, but forced them all to look at their programs and find out if there was discrimination.
1: So many of us remember the doors that were closed to us before Title IX. Women were denied access to playing fields, science labs, even classrooms. Now because of the inspiring work of three people, Birch Bayh, Bernice Sandler, and the late Patsy Mink, and countless women and men who have come since, women and girls are legally protected against discrimination in education and sports. It may be a simple piece of legislation, but it sure has helped level the playing field around the country. It sounds like this was a slow motion earthquake, that it may have taken a number of years.
0: (laughs) Oh, that is such a good description, a slow-motion earthquake. Oh, it's had an enormous uh, impact. Sports is a good one to look at. You don't have to spend the same amount of money for men and for women because some sports are more expensive. We're talking about the football problem here. Football is more expensive than, say, women's tennis. But you have to provide, generically, something like equal opportunity for both genders. Uh, But they don't have to be the same sports. Um, you might end up with tennis for men and something a handball handball for men and tennis for women or whatever. There are variations on how that law is applied but it's, but essentially it it tries to have uh equal opportunities for men and women or boys and girls to participate in sports.
1: A civil rights assistant to the education secretary is apologizing for comments she made about campus sexual assault. Candace Jackson told the New York Times that 90% of campus sexual assault accusations fall into the category of we were both drunk. In her apology, she called those remarks flippant. Now, the Trump administration is looking at reworking the guidelines from the Obama administration about how colleges and universities handle sexual assault investigations under Title IX. And the Education Department's head of civil rights, Candace Johnson, told The New York Times that 90 percent of campus rape accusations can be categorized as we were both drunk or we broke up she apologized for that.
0: That's very often said. The, the assu- underlying assumption in that is that women are probably lying about it and men are not. Women are are not generally lying about that. It's very hard to get women to file charges of sexual assault against somebody on campus. Uh, and many of the cases are handled informally, which is fine if they're handled everybody's agreement. That's that's fine when they can do that. But it is a problem. Um, there still is a lot of old prejudice against women, you know, that they're lying, uh, that they really consented to sex, but they didn't want to, people to think that, so they're saying it was it was rape. Um, my experience is, is that very few women lie about this. <laughs> it's... Um, it's very hard to it's very hard to maintain a lie there is a worry that that could happen and of course it could happen but it's not as likely or as common as people think it is if you think the school did not handle the complaint fairly uh and this would apply to men or to women if there was a complaint either for or against either either gender gender um one can file a complaint a title IX complaint and get the government in, uh to investigate
1: At this point, the the Trump administration's budget proposal recommended a 7 percent budget cut for the Office of Civil Rights, which would mean about 27 jobs gone at a time when Title IX complaints are on the rise. So the law is still on the books, but enforcement is another matter.
0: And what we, we advise women when they file a complaint is that they write their two senators and their congressperson and ask them that to please write the secretary of education and say about the following case this is one of my constituents who was suing uh who has filed a complaint against joe blow please keep me informed <laughs> and that's been helpful um they then know that somebody's watching no person in the united states shall on the basis of sex be excluded pr- from participation from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected...
1: Did you ever expect there would be a time when we wouldn't need Title IX when things were straight Oh, that up would be nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I naively did think think that. A lot of us thought this, you know, we have Title IX and in five years everything will be solved. Nobody would be filing charges because they wouldn't need to. Um, but the culture is such where... Um, uh rape uh, and sexual assault and sexual power uh by of males over females is not uncommon I mean, you know if you look at at movies or sitcoms or so forth uh there's a lot of um of power sexual power that's granted to men uh and less to women uh it still is a problem then not every school does training in sexual assault and sexual harassment uh some schools have posters saying, you know, don't do the following or the following can get you in trouble or here's how nice people behave. Some schools have an information program, particularly if they've been sued. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's still a problem. Yeah. What what it did is it it it, it makes some teachers aware. Some have never heard of Title Nine, even though they had teacher training. I uh, majored in education so you have still never heard of title 9 or even dealt with this issue others are aware of it so it just varies in some schools um, they take if they've ever had a title IX complaint by a student because um, the student student files a complaint they're really saying the school is not paying attention to my uh the way I'm being treated Um, So it's the school that's getting, being complained against. Mm -hmm. They're saying Jimmy Smith is harassing me and touching me and so forth, and my school isn't stopping him. The complaint is not that Jimmy's doing this, the school has a responsibility to stop um, any kind of sexually harassing behavior uh, against boys or against girls.
1: And one of my best friends, who was my my best friend, who was the most ardent critic, he ended up having two daughters, both of whom made All-State in two different sports and played college. He is the most rabid advocate for Title IX <laughs> you can imagine. Do you watch women's sports now?
0: Uh, not as much as I should, but I'm so pleased and proud when I do catch it. It's uh, Girl sports was not something that was encouraged. In my school, I'm in my 80s, so this is what we're talking about in the 30s. Um, we had a big outdoor playground in my school. The boys had the whole playground to themselves, which was more than a block long in one direction, and the girls had a little corner where we could jump rope. Now, that's changed, hopefully, in most places. Uh, and the other thing is that parents are now aware of this, and particularly fathers of girls are very much aware of the, very often of their girls being uh, treated fairly or unfairly in terms of athletics.
1: Bernice Sandler, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for this. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Tim French and Todd G. Levin and edited by Levin. The audio of former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is from the documentary Sporting Chance. The clip from former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is from a State Department video Soccer star Mia Hamm appeared on CBS News and former Vice President Joe Biden spoke in a George Washington University video. Other audio moments are from the Richard M. Nixon Foundation, Good Morning America and CBS This Morning. I am Pat Morrison.